This is Sunday Rewind. Take it back now, y'all. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Stevens and Mike Melby. Welcome back, Husker Rewind, second hour. Tom Stevens, Mike Melby. I always like when we get breaking news on the show. Well, and, and I don't know that it was breaking necessarily on our show because Austin knew about it before he came in. But oh, did he? You and I kind of, we do our research and, you know, then then it's study the research that we did an hour or two before the show. Yeah. And at some point th- during that time, Boogie Coleman said, hey, I want to be in. It uh, had to have happened uh, sometime between four and five. Uh, so that was breaking for me. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think it's a good get for Nebraska basketball. Jerron Boogie Coleman, 6'5", 210, a Ball State transfer, averaged 14 points a game. Got a nice little resume in Nebraska. Again, I don't think they need him to average 14 points a game, but it's just nice uh, that they've got a point guard. And I think maybe an upgrade, possibly. We'll find out from Aaron Euless, who we expect to no longer be with Nebraska basketball, but we'll find out. Uh, Another guy that's no longer with Husker sports, no longer playing Husker football, Miles Farmer, uh, jumped into the transfer portal last week. Uh, At one time, because he had started so many games at Nebraska, you thought he was the starting safety for Nebraska. And I thought it was interesting that BC said, I don't know if he would have even started this year. Well, no, and that was the thing. I... It surprised me in the spring when he was not kind of what you would think with the number one group at the time. And I thought it kind of spoke volumes. And then with, you know, he had the off-field issue uh, last year. And it, it, I kind of, it be back of your mind, you wonder. You know, yeah. wonder I wonder what's going on with him. And, you know, ultimately there's a, a, a new set of rules. I think you said it earlier. There's a new sheriff in town. And the rules are, are maybe they're not different, but maybe they're just adhered to and uh, enforced a little bit differently. So Right. Well, he, uh, I expected him to play a lot, if not start this year. But he's in the portal. He's gone. Um, and then Marcus Buford Jr., who has played a lot of football for Nebraska early in his career still, but he was injured last year, and he's still nursing an injury. So he may not be available until maybe a few weeks into the season. So there's a couple of guys that you thought could start for Nebraska. Isaac Gifford now has become kind of that, that lead dog. Uh, in the secondary, at least if you're talking about replacing Miles Farmer, it looks like Isaac Gifford will get that gig. Well, yeah, from from a safety standpoint, I, I don't count out Deshaun Singleton either. I would, um, or Omar Brown. I no. think Omar Brown had a nice spring, and then in the fall camp, he's looked pretty good. Yeah, but, uh, the guy that runs the back is Quentin Newsom. I mean, that's that's his. <laughs> that's, well, he's a he's a, his, he's a I, lockdown he's, corner. Yeah, he's a, he's a corner. But I mean, you're talking defensive backfield. That's Quentin Newsom's boys right yeah. there. And um, I think I think Malcolm Hartzog has become a guy too. Well, yeah, that you can play at corner, you can play him at safety, you can rover. I mean, it it feels like this defense with Tony White. It's hard to pinpoint guys in some ways because they train guys at so many different positions. Uh, so we'll see how that goes going forward. And you've heard about Tommy Hill having a nice camp. There was a time when, you know, last year he was moved to wide receiver. That didn't go well. And now Matt Rule gets here. He's moved back to the defensive backfield. And I think Matt Rule called him a turnaround guy. Like, he's had a really nice turnaround this fall camp. Well, and, you know, it's one of those where you sit there and you look at a couple of guys that um, – I'm going to use Miles Farmer as an example. And and I don't believe that Tommy Hill had off-the-field issues, but – 
Tommy Hill seemed to just struggle. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the field a little bit. He, he lost his uh, starting cornerback job to, to Malcolm Hartzog, and he moves over to receiver, et cetera. But there, it just seemed he seemed a little discombobulated and just like, I don't know. Like he needed something. And when Matt Rule was hired, Matt Rule came in and, you know, sat him down, obviously, and they talked. And yeah. that staff has figured out a way for Tommy Hill to figure this out and that out. Well, they love speed, and he's really and fast. Th- yeah, but it, it like th- with with Miles Farmer, Miles Farmer decided you know with the way things are, it's just not for me. I'm going to move on. And with Tommy Hill, he could have been that same guy. He could have yeah. been like, you know what, I'm not buying this, and he could have moved on. And instead, he embraced it, and he's a guy now that they're all going, yep, we knew that's what you could be. Well, I think part of their philosophy in running these uh, two camps, like uh, they have you know the older guys first and the, the younger guys second, they're trying to get everybody a lot of reps, uh, which Mike Riley did, but he only did it in spring ball. He didn't do it in fall camp. So this is kind of a dramatic shift. It hasn't really been done for since T.O., and T.O. just did it during a regular practice session where he'd run extra stations for younger guys. But you're now seeing younger guys get lots and lots and lots of reps and that, of course, means the defensive backs are as well. So who emerges, we don't know. I mean, I thought to Corey Collier will. It sounds like he's got a ways to go. You mentioned Deshaun, Deshaun Singleton. Omar Brown is there, who I think they really like. Uh, you've got some guys that have been around the program for a while. Taman Lyman. you got Dwight Boodle, who's new. Ethan Nation, who's rather new. Eric Fields, who we expected to be a linebacker. I think he will, ultimately, once he gains a little size. I guess they're looking at him right now as a rover, uh, playing a little rover. Um, Javier Morton is there. You've got Kobe Bretsch. You've got uh, Ramirez Stewart. You've got Phelan Stafford. You've got a lot of different guys uh, oh, and, and, that could play. Yeah, and, and Phelan Stafford's one that uh, – this this is a young man that's out of Benkelman, Nebraska. He's a fifth-year senior, maybe even sixth-year with COVID. I don't know. But Phelan's a guy that just – he finds his way on the field. He's a special teams stalwart. Yeah, and, he, and when he gets time, too, to play, he's really pretty that, good. That's the thing. He's a guy that I think gives you such – I mean, it's it's a little bit of a safety net in case of whatever. But And, and who knows? It may, he may not be the safety net. It may be somebody else because he may, you know, wind up getting into a rotation. Another guy, it, I, I don't know that he's going to be able to contribute a ton this year, but Sincere Safula – I think is going to be a standout player in the backfield for Nebraska as well. Yeah. Uh, true freshman, though, so I mean, I, I don't know that you're going to get a ton out of him, but he's another one that's got some speed and I think a ton of uh, ton of athletic. It's ability. interesting because they're moving guys around. I mean, like Javen Wright, who I thought was going to be among these guys in the secondary, has now moved to linebacker. Uh, Kane Williams, the transfer from Alabama who started in the secondary, has now moved to linebacker. Does it remind you of the Tom Osborne area where you take really fast guys? Ed Stewart was one of the first that I remember. He was a secondary guy. And Nebraska just had just gone to the 4-3. They were, they were a 5-2. And they had just gone to the 4-3. And they looked at Ed Stewart and said, we need guys that are faster. We'll take the safety and move him to linebacker. And he became an all-league linebacker it makes me wonder if that's what Matt Rule is attempting here well another guy that comes to mind that all of a sudden he goes from kind of kind of linebacker to defensive end that (laughs) you all just went oh okay I now I get why they're doing that Terrell Farley you know he's on he's on the air uh, with with the Vershawn and and the captain show pretty good yeah 
Yeah, but he's a guy that just he see, he was playing out of position from what the body type says. Yeah. But then when he did what he did, and you're like, oh, okay, never now mind. I get it. <laughs> now I get it. Um, yeah, I th- I think that that's one of the things they're they're calling it now Nebraska speed. Have you seen that quote show up? Yeah. time and time again. Uh, and I get it when you're talking about wide receiver because you've added a bunch of you know ten to one hundred meter guys. But I think that's what they're trying to do on defense as well. Swarm to the ball, sure. But get guys that maybe are a little smaller, but can run. Can really run to the ball. This, the three-three-five. I don't know what it's going to do. I don't know what it's going to look like. I know the trading reg- regiment was really harsh in the offseason. I mean, they, they put these guys through the ringer. Uh, and maybe tried to find out... Which guys wanted to stay and which guys were going to leave? Well, and it was interesting on the the uh, I can't remember what they call it the Big Ten deal with uh, with BTN. Yeah, the uh, BTN. Howard. The, yeah, Howard was there and Jerry Dernardo yeah. was there yeah. and it aired yesterday. Yeah. Um, but they had Ty Robinson on and and it was interesting just when they asked him about the off season and you, you could just tell the look on his face. He's like, yeah, that was uh, damn, <laughs> yeah. you know, but. He immediately was like, but at the end of the day, guess what? I know that we're a better team. I know I'm a better player, and I think we're all better human beings because we went through it and we did what we did and we did it how we did it. And, and you can see that. And one of the things that they pointed out, Howard Griffith pointed this out. He goes, I don't care if you're talking to the guy that – he's not the water boy. He's the guy that – what this, I'm paraphrasing. He's the guy that washes the water bottles or uh. – head coach Matt Rule, or a player, or a staff member. You literally hear the same thing over and over, no matter what the question is. You hear that. He goes, there is a continual message here. I mean, everybody has a buy-in, and and it's program-wide. And, and, you know, and they were trying to be polite to the former staff and saying that, you know, there wasn't that much discipline here. We didn't really notice, and now there really is. One of the things I'm looking forward to – and see if it translates from fall camp to the regular season is, are they really going to run the ball? I mean, because you've heard run the damn ball guy come out every season. It's usually me. I'm run the damn ball guy. Uh, But now it seems like Matt rules that guy. He's actually saying we're going to run the damn ball and we're going to need several running backs to do it. And we're going to have a fullback. And I don't want to be using the, the, the quarterback to run the ball all the time. Um, I, I'm that's the thing I think I am most curious to find out if it's really true during the regular season. Unknown texture on the Sarger Hammond text line just said, of course, we're going to run the ball. Nothing he has said has been false and he's not Mark Whipple. <laughs> no, Mr. Whipple, don't squeeze the Charmin, please. Um, but I mean, because everybody's got a you know, it's the old saying, everybody's got a plan until they get smacked in the face. Everybody's got a plan until... You, you get, you know, one yard in a cloud of dust on first down, one yard in a cloud of dust on second down, and then you're, you know, third and eight against Minnesota. What do you do? Do you give up on the run or do you keep grinding? I hope they keep grinding and well, find a way to run the ball. But that's the difference. Everything's, you know, the plan's there until you get punched in the face. Everything I've seen from Matt Rule and his staff since they've been at Nebraska, and when you look back at his second and third year at Baylor and his second, third, and fourth year at Temple, the thing is, Matt Rule knows they're going to get punched in the face. And what he has you know, alluded to in interviews is we do situational. 
you know, at Big Ten Media Days. He goes, it's fourth and one in our building every day. Yeah. But And they're focused on situational football. Day in, day out, practice in, practice out. It's not go through this, go through that, individual drip. No. Hey, everybody, right now, it's third and goal. Everybody, line up. Ones against ones. Let's do this. Or it's what they're situational. So when Nebraska gets punched in the mouth against Minnesota, against Colorado, against anybody and everybody they play, I really truly believe that Matt Rule and this staff have got an answer on what they need to do to punch back. I I really like Matt Rule. I like him a lot. But when people ask me how Nebraska is going to do this year, I, I basically say I don't know. I've been burned so many times predicting games. I, I, I was one of those who bought in full force that Scott Frost was the man, that he was going to do it. I know you weren't mm-hmm. one. You never believed. Uh, and you've always believed in rule. And you were one of the first to say, I think he's going to be our next head coach. And he's I, turned out to be right. Yeah, that was back the, 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 when we broke it, or not broke it, when we covered that in the starting gate back last October, I actually said, uh, Carolina fired Nebraska's next head coach. I've got the, I've got the audio clip. We'll have to throw it into a and promo I, or And something. I love him, and I love that he does have a plan and that he, you know, he wants to run the football. I just need to see evidence. Um, it doesn't help when I see that Teddy Prochaska is injured again. Like, because uh, I saw, I, I like Corcoran. I like Turner Corcoran. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's an offensive tackle. He really struggled last year. And maybe a second year in Dominic, uh, uh, in Riola's, Dylan Riola's, uh, sorry, is it, is Dominic? Yeah. It's Dominic Riola's uh, offense that he'll be a new man. I don't, I'm not convinced of that. So you already have lost Teddy Prochaska, maybe through game one or two. We'll see. And you're telling me you're still going to run the football when they couldn't run it last year. But I'm going to tell you right now that Teddy Prochaska, fully healthy or, you know, to where as healthy as he had been at the start of fall camp, was not the starter. Turner Corcoran has been with the first team this entire start of fall camp. So I, I get what you're saying, and I, I know what you're talking about with Turner Corcoran. And, 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 but they couldn't run it with Turner Corcoran last and year. And flexibility and mobility was something that he struggled a little bit with. So did some of the other guys. But at the end of the day, when Teddy Prohaska went down, he went down. He was part of the number two offense. He wasn't a starter. Yeah. Um, I, I get what he showed those first four games as a freshman. And he's you know fighting injuries. And the guy may wind up being an all-conference player here before it's said and done. But right now, from everything that we heard and saw and has been printed, Turner Corcoran was ahead of him on the depth chart right now. Um, I, I remember Andy Janovich running for a 56-yard touchdown, I believe it was, against Wisconsin. Yep. And we, have Rod, we had Rob Zadiska on the, on the show like that Monday after the touchdown. He goes, I didn't even care that we lost. Fullback. <laughs> Fullback. <laughs> yep. And we were like, yeah. You know, you're right. And I think a lot of Nebraska fans feel the same way. We're going to have a fullback, and they might use him. Who cares if he just lines up and he's kind of an H-back and he's just there to slam into somebody? We've got a fullback back. That kind of excites me. What's that going to look like? Because it doesn't it feel to a certain extent like Nebraska is now Wisconsin, at least as, as far as what they're saying, and Wisconsin is now what Scott Frost was. Like, they've switched identities in less than three months. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Now, I, I think you've got a – in Luke Fickle, and, and this is coming straight from Bill Bush, who we had on the show a couple yeah, of weeks he ago. He likes him a lot. He likes him a lot. And, and with Luke Fickle, you have somebody with the belief in that, that 
wide open spread offense that Scott Frost ran, that that everybody in the AAC runs. Okay, yeah. that Fickle ran at Cincinnati that got him in a playoff. He he has that knowledge and that ability to coach that up, but he has the drive and the work ethic that Matt Rule is showing Nebraska fans that he has. Yeah. So he thinks that that's going to be successful at Wisconsin, where you and I are. Well, specifically me, I don't. I can't speak for you. I don't know if you are really not sold because I'm saying, hey, I just Nebraska tried it I and it honest, didn't work. I honestly don't know. It's what I want Nebraska to be. What Wisconsin? I've always said this. Barry Alvarez coached high school football in Nebraska. He coached on the Husker football staff under Bob Devaney. Then he took everything good about Nebraska football and moved it to Madison, Wisconsin. Yep. And now we're kind of hopefully getting it. And if we are getting it, I'm overjoyed. What it's called is an identity. I would be overjoyed to have an identity at Nebraska because I can't remember the last time Nebraska really had one. Crickets. Well, one one that you um, believed in. How about that? They, they, there was there was an identity under Bo Pelini, but it was Bo Pelini that was the identity. The, the identity under Pelini was just simply us against the world, and it's like that's right. great for a couple of games, but he, that's all it was, day in day out. It was just Mike Riley. I don't know record. what the identity was with Mike Riley. Patsy <laughs> Patsy foot football. It was it was soft football. With Scott Frost, I thought we were going to get you know. I thought we were going back to the good times, going back to the 90s. That didn't happen. No. Um, and I don't know if it – honestly, again, I don't know if it's going to happen under rule. I like everything he says. I like everything he has done so far. And if they're going to run the football, I'm very excited. I'd like them to run the football effectively. Uh, but if they're going to run the football, that's a start. Well, and one of the key things, and I've thrown this out numerous times on this show because it's something Matt Rule said, and I'm like, you know what? It, it, when it gets to be game time and fourth quarter at Minnesota, the way I'm going to tell whether or not, and I'm going to, I'm going to keep track. The way I'm going to tell whether or not we are going to win a game that's going to be close at the end is as the fourth quarter goes on and we're running the football, how close to 75 yards are we getting in that quarter? You know what I like about what you just said? You said we, like three days. A lot, a lot of uh, reporters hate that we say we. It's we. We've been Husker football fans since we were born. Um, and I have no problem saying we. Well, I, I, I like we. I, I do too, and, I, and I'm one that – I know it's not right. I know I have nothing to do with the program, but it's okay. The buy-in and the love that I have no, for it. We've we bought enough popcorn and hot dogs and set through a lot of crappy Nebraska football and basketball, where Especially I think we we've, we've earned the right to say we. I think we've earned it. I, I think I think all of Husker Nation has, but at the same time, we're not the guys and gals that are out on the field and on the court. But regardless, I appreciate that because well, I, yeah, well, we, you and me, yeah. are going to talk to Jalen Reyes. And it's a great conversation. It's a great. It's recorded. He's so awesome. We'll be honest with you. It's recorded. Good conversation with Nebraska volleyball assistant Jalen Reyes coming up next. This is Sunday Rewind on ninety three seven The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back, Tom Stevens, Mike Melby, Husker Rewind every Sunday five to seven. As we welcome in Nebraska volleyball assistant Jalen Reyes. Hey, Jalen, how you doing? I'm good, Tom. How's it going? Good. We're getting close to a season. What are you thinking about most right now? The 19 days before your first game, Utah State, 13 days before the red-white game, or, of course, 24 days until you play Omaha Memorial Stadium? (laughs) Um, I would say all the above, and honestly, just looking forward to our first practice in a couple of days, and 
Um, but yeah, those all three dates I'm looking very, very much forward to. I don't, I don't know if I could pick one. If you made me pick one, you know, I'm always the next game kind of guy. But uh, I, I heard uh, August 30th is going to be kind of a party, so I may be looking forward to that one too. <laughs> Jalen, I got to ask you: Are you a fan of Scotty McCreary? I mean, I know it's uh, the, the the minor portion of that day, but were you excited when Scotty McCreary was announced as the musical artist? I actually love country music, and I actually do like a lot of Scotty McCurry songs. I'm not gonna lie; I didn't, I didn't know a ton of his songs in terms of when I listened to him on the radio. Oh, that's a Scotty McCurry song. But after, you know, it got announced, listening to some of his songs, I'm like, oh, I know this song. Oh, I know this song. I'm just not a, not a huge, like this song to this artist person. If that makes sense, I just know the song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was actually kind of fired up once I heard he's uh, he's gonna be performing. It's gonna be pretty sweet. Nebraska assistant volleyball coach Jalen Reyes joining us here on Husker Rewind. Uh, coach, I want to ask you a question about uh, Volleyball Day in Nebraska. Uh, I, I used to do play-by-play for the, a local hockey team here in Lincoln, the Lincoln Stars. Back in 2013-14, uh, we played an outdoor game at what's now Schwab Field against the Omaha Lancers. It was a big event. UNO played against North Dakota uh, that night. Um Leading up to it, and obviously hockey outside, you know, the middle of January, et cetera, um, the, our team put so much pressure on themselves. They came out, and they were totally discombobulated. Nothing seemed to work. And as soon as they got smacked in the face and they were down to nothing, then all of a sudden they relaxed and took a breath and played. They ultimately lose, but it was obvious there was a lot of tension, a lot of pent-up energy. You know that that's got to be playing in the minds of your team how do you help them combat those nerves when they set foot on the court in memorial stadium yeah i mean i think that's a really i think that's a good point um i think a lot of it just comes from preparation right and just once the once the volleyball game starts you know i think it's just going to be another volleyball game and making sure we approach each and every game like that i think one thing about our program is we play in a lot of big games i mean you know, just whether it's the Big Ten, whether it's some non-conference games. Um, we usually play in front of sellout crowds no matter where we play. Obviously, this one's going to be probably a little bit bigger than anyone else, any of us have ever experienced. But I think it's just making sure that we stay in the moment and making sure the girls understand that, hey, once the first serve gets served, it's just another volleyball game. And, you know, we uh, you know we play it just like any other game. And then, obviously, you know, maybe hopefully after the game, we kind of take in kind of what, what, just, what we all just witnessed that night. I know you've coached some sand volleyball in the past. Is it any different than that, really? I mean, you're actually on a court, but you are outside. Uh, how much are you concerned about the weather? <laughs> I mean, I think that's the only thing that in terms of concern, in terms of if it's going to happen or not, right? I mean, at the uh, end of the day, that's something that none of us can really control. Um, but in terms of the game, I think, hey, both teams are going to have to deal with some stuff. Obviously, we have a little bit of an advantage the fact that all our team has played some sort of outdoor volleyball, unfortunately, beach volleyball, not mm-hmm. outdoor, indoor volleyball. But, um, yeah, I think the only thing is just just logistically, right, and just, you know, in terms of, um, you know, weather, up, you know, capable weather to play, um, that's, the, that's our only concern just because, you know, we feel like this is going to be such a cool, I think, opportunity for the, not just the university, not just our volleyball program, but for women's, Women's volleyball, women's sports, I think, is going to be um, – I just hope – I've kind of been joking around with people, but I just hope Mother Nature takes care of us that day. We all do, believe me. <laughs> Nebraska assistant volleyball coach Jalen Reyes uh, joining us. Coach, uh, from from a, a recruiting standpoint, I 
your abilities have really transcended kind of the sport, and you have been able to get Nebraska some of the best volleyball players year in and year out since you came here. There was a fantastic article written by Amy Just about your head coach, and he, he talked about how you know he's coaching the best that he has in his career, and then he said, we are recruiting better than we ever have. I know you're a big reason why. Can you explain how does that happen? Is it simply hard work, grit, determination, or is there some secret to the success? I think first for me, I'm, I feel like I'm selling the best product. You know, I mean, you could be a great salesman or okay salesman. A lot of it comes down to the product you're selling. So I would start there. I mean, I'm not, you just get someone to come out here and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive what you can see in terms of obviously the conference we play in, the success of the program, the history of the program how much the school and the university and the community supports this volleyball program is honestly unlike any other school. And I know there's some other schools that have some amazing facilities and they support it well, but there's nothing like how they do it here in Nebraska. So I would say that. Uh, I'm not saying anyone can do it because I think I do work really hard. Um, but I don't know. I think it's a combination of just just identifying talent, connecting with people, and just, I don't know, making them feel like there's a plan for them here and there's no better place for them to play than Nebraska. Um, I think, Coach, uh, I mean, and the other thing is, too, is just being able to play for a legend um, like Coach Cook, I think is kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I mean, that's one of the reasons I decided to come here um, was for the volleyball program and for the ability to work for Coach Cook and learn from him. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think Coach also has had – he looks at the record books. He's had a lot of talent throughout his time. So I don't know if we're necessarily recruiting any better. Obviously, if he said it, then I'll take his word for it. But I think a lot of it is just, hey, can we get out on the road? Can we share Nebraska volleyball with people and share our message with people and share how awesome this place is? And we feel like, if, you know, and then obviously within the rules, being able to connect with kids and families via, you know, depending on if it's camps or if they come to matches or if it's some of the USA stuff I coach. Um being able to just connect with people. And I think, you know, I think we've done a really good job of that. Um, you know, and obviously I think it started before me and we've tried to just, I just try to make it better than it was um, before I got here. So I don't know exactly. I think it's a combination of everything, but I think one of the biggest things is what Nebraska athletics has really done for Nebraska volleyball. And just honestly, all the uh, women's athletics here, I think university of Nebraska, you know, really, really supports all its athletes, um, especially its female athletes. Nebraska Volleyball Assistant Jalen Reyes is our guest. Uh, it was a great read. Uh, Amy Just wrote the article on John Cook. It was in today's paper. He's at, he's 67 years old, and he says he believes he might be coaching his best volleyball uh, right now. And he, and he referenced Nick Saban, who's won, I believe, four titles after the age of uh, what he is now in 67. Do you see him coaching to 71? I think that's where Nick, uh, Nick Saban is right now. All, all I know is this, and I, I'll be honest with you guys. I have no idea. Coach Cook and I have never had a talk about him retiring or a plan to do this or a succession plan or anything like that. So I'm just going to throw that out there. All I know is the man shows no signs of slowing down. So, I mean, the man works out six, six seven days a week. He's constantly on the phone trying to learn from people, whether it's team building stuff, whether it's coaching, whether it's volleyball, whether it's, I mean, anything. I mean, obviously, he's put a ton of work into this this outdoor match. He's working on some other ideas for down the road. 
um, some, some non-conference scheduling stuff, obviously. Um, you know, we were going to play some other teams that we thought were not going to be in our conference, but suddenly they're going to join our conference. Um, <laughs> we can talk about that later, I'm assuming. But um, I'm just – the man shows no signs of – so I, I'm not sure, like, is he going to coach two, three, four? I have no idea. All I know is the man shows no signs of hanging it up anytime soon. So speaking of uh, what you just mentioned, uh, one of the, the – championship game losses that I, I believe coach cook suffered was against one of the new members of the big 10 the university of washington um what does those two teams and then the other two that were already set to join us usc and ucla what do all four of those schools bring into the big 10 conference which is already hands down light years better than any other conference in volleyball yeah. in the country well i mean i could probably say this and obviously there's there's talks of some other schools possibly joining eventually, but again, we can talk about that stuff later. Uh, there's only, I think there's only about nine or 10 schools that have won national championships in women's volleyball. Um, through, we're adding three schools that have Washington, who you mentioned beat Nebraska, I believe it was 2007. Um, it was, you have, obviously you have USC and UCLA who have a plethora of national championships themselves. And obviously bring in all that Southern California history of volleyball into the conference. You have Oregon who beat us, you know, recently, you know. So, um, I mean, we're adding four top 15 volleyball programs in the country. Obviously, some of them spent time in the top four, you know, within a pre you know within the last 10 years. All of them have, have experienced success in women's volleyball or a very high level of success. Um, I, I think before, before those four schools or even before Washington and Oregon were announced, we are by far the best volleyball conference, in my, my opinion. And now it's not even really close, that close anymore. Um, and obviously, I think, I don't know, I just think, I, I, obviously, I don't know how it's going to work schedule-wise or if this is the end or if we're going to add more teams in the future. I'm not super worried about that, but in just terms of, man, if we had to draw a line and draw a division of, if you just went straight up ge geographical for Big Ten volleyball, in the western part of the conference, you would have, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You just just leave it right there. Yeah, you know, and just, <laughs> I'm just talking. If you just did straight up geographical, and you just went there's West and East division, that would be the teams, and what that would all those teams plus a couple more would be in that division. It's yeah. mind boggling. And and if it's they crazy. played each it's other, if they played each other in a round robin, the team that would win would be six and three at best. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and the team that's three and six is the eighth best team in the country. Exactly, <laughs> Jalen. Can you imagine the Big Ten tournament if they ever do that, and those teams in it? I, I it would be it would be brutal. I mean, it would be. I think it'd be tougher to win. I can't think of it, like I mean, a college basketball. I, I know they're talking about okay, the Big Twelve with this new league they have, like how competitive their basketball would be. But it would be like. You would need to throw like Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, and UCLA in there to make <laughs> yeah. it, you know, like to make it actually kind of close. Like teams that are like borderline the Big Ten, how how the conference stands right now before the four Pac-12 schools came in, like a school like Illinois, Michigan, who are like around 500 at the end of the year, they're going to the second round of the tournament, Sweet 16. Like that's how good those teams are. Now it's like you can make an argument those like the middle of pack teams will slide down. Yeah. But it's not like those teams got worse. It's just we added four schools that are all top 20 programs. Yeah, it's absolutely brutal. Um, 
Does it help you, though, in recruiting, you think? It, you would think it helps USC, UCLA, Oregon, for sure, Washington. Does it help yeah, Nebraska think, to be in California? One, yeah, I think it's going to help recruiting. Uh, I mean, now it's unquestionable. The, obviously, it makes it a little more competitive because now those four schools can tell they're in the best conference, too. It's so hard to know, right? I think, obviously, in general, just, I mean, I know they, people are saying it's not about the money, but obviously I think people are making these decisions based on the TV contracts. So I think, one, just in terms of recruiting, it's going to help everybody just because that TV contract's going to go up and there's just more money going around, better facilities, better coaches, better whatever, you know, resources for the athletes. So I think just in general, I think it's kind of like a rising tide will lift all boats, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that all these great institutions are now all – kind of have common grounds if that makes yeah. sense yeah. it really does nebraska assistant volleyball coach jalen reyes joining us here on husker rewind on 93.7 the ticket coach um the the volleyball program was the beneficiary of a very very nice donation to the 1890 collective that's going to help out your players in nil over the next five years um talk about what that means to you guys i know you're not involved in it the school's not involved in it at all but man that shows the dedication the love and the support that the the businesses the the fans and and just husker nation has in the team that you coach doesn't it uh yeah i mean i don't honestly guys i don't really know much about it besides the headline news that everyone read um but it's just again going back to you asking me a recruiting question and you know it's just it's crazy to me ever since I've gotten here to see and be a part of like the support that this place, this are at the end of the day, the support that our girls get. And I mean, this is just another, you know, I guess feather in the cap in terms of this is how much this place and our supporters really support this volleyball program, you know? And uh, yeah, it's uh, I mean, this is kind of cutting edge in terms of all that. Obviously there's, a lot of details, if I'm being honest, that I don't know. But it's uh, just one of those things that makes you sit there and think, like, wow. Like, why wouldn't anyone want to come to play at Nebraska? Are you catching a breath right now? Have you taken your vacations? Are you completely all done with that? What's going on in your world? Yeah, we got meetings going on today, tomorrow, and then we teed up on Tuesday. So we're excited to kind of get back in the gym. And, you know, I love all the other stuff to do, recruiting. But at the end of the day, I'm a volleyball coach first. So I'm excited to get back in the gym and, you know, start training again with the uh, – the 14 girls we got on the squad this year. Well, we can't wait to watch it. It's going to be a tough ticket to, to get inside, obviously, Thanks, with 8,200 inside. But uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us. Thanks so much, Jalen. No problem. Thanks, fellas. There Thanks. he goes. Uh, Jalen Reyes recorded earlier today uh, before the show started. Uh, good stuff. I think he's really excited to see 90,000. That's got to be, though, as a player, where you're used to, you know, 82. I mean, 82 is crazy in college volleyball. Nebraska sells out 8,200. But you're going from 8,200 uh, to 90,000 people. And you're a little unsure what the weather is going to be like. Say it's, it's like yesterday with as humid as it was yesterday. My goodness. Um, well, yeah, the, the heat and the humidity, I get it. But at the same time. What's the floor going to How's it going to change the surface of the floor? I'm I'm sure they're ready for all those things, but does it make it slippery or sticky or what does well, it make it? I now, mean, I, I had mentioned the outdoor game with the Lincoln Stars and Omaha yeah. Lancers, and yeah. that that was a complete cluster because they did not whatever they did to make the ice, they evidently planned on there being no sunshine because yeah. just the the radiant heat from the sunshine. It was a cold enough day. It was only guys. Like, what did it do to the skate? 
the skating? It slowed everybody down because okay. the ice was essentially slush. Yeah, that makes sense. It, the, the game w- between the Stars and the Lancers started at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and the blue line and the red line, the red line and the two blue lines, they were slush. So you'd have guys. But this was, it was in January, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or late January, early February. Okay. But it, it was cold enough, but there, there was bright sunshine. Hmm. And so they actually, the, the UNO North Dakota game was supposed to start at 3 o'clock. As in ours started at like, or I think ours started at one. Theirs was supposed to start at four. They moved theirs back to seven thirty so that they could make sure that the ice could get frozen again. Yeah. Because our game was, I mean, it was a joke. It wasn't even a hockey game. I mean, it was like it was like playing on on a slushy pond where you knew you couldn't fall through the ice. <laughs> it was, it was, I, I don't know, it was horrible. But out the, those outside conditions, though, to me, the biggest thing. For that day, weather-wise, now granted, rain and lightning is is you can't argue with that. But the biggest thing, if it, it's not wet, is the wind. Like, can you imagine trying to play volleyball outside in a stadium? Go outside like that? right now in the parking lot. How windy it is! Yeah, uh, if it's if it's a day like today, you're a little bit in trouble. It's, I mean, it's going to be interesting because uh, you played a lot of volleyball outside, I sand did. volleyball outside, and the yes. ball will blow everywhere. Yep, but. Uh, Again, both teams have to put up with it. Um, I hope it turns out to be a perfect night. I, oh, it's going to be historic regardless. Yeah. And Nebraska is going to win regardless. They're playing Omaha. Uh, they're going to be fine. Um, you read the article today about John Cook. I read it as, as yep. well. Re- well written as most stuff, ever, all the stuff from Amy Just is. Uh, but I thought it was a really good. I didn't know that he broke horses, John Cook. I, I guess I knew that he had that ranch in Wyoming, uh, but it overlooks the Tetons, the Grand Tetons, and he's been raising horses for years. And he says he's learned a lot from raising horses and how well it translates to volleyball. He basically said horses are a little bit like volleyball players because well, you have to train them and be very patient with them. Well, the one thing that he alluded to, and this is where I asked Coach Reyes about, you know, I went through it with the stars, like the star, like they were all in their own heads about they're playing an outdoor game. And there's, you know, I had 12,000 people ish were there. Um, But the biggest crowd that any of those guys had ever played. But I mean, you could tell like our team riding up there on the bus that day. I knew we were in trouble. I mean, you just, you just knew we were in trouble. And um, that's why I asked coach Reyes. I'm like, Hey, what are you guys doing to combat this? What, Coach Cook says in that article by Amy Just, though, he talks about if you show any bit of nervousness, if you show any fear, if you show like the horse can sense that and knowing that, then I need to make sure. And it translates to coaching that I give them a calm demeanor. Yeah. And I was, he didn't I, say the players are like horses. He said, it, no, but dealing but, with horses, you have but, to have the same that, kind of patience. Yeah, that mentality. But he's like, hey, if I go out there and I show that I'm nervous, yeah. our team's going to be nervous. Yeah, I thought he made a great comparison as well because you always hear coaches say, trust your training. And he was, he's a pilot. Um, and he was trouble having trouble landing a plane or doing a certain maneuver yeah, with, with the crosswinds. Plane, with the crosswinds. And, um, and his, his teacher just said, hey, trust your training. And it, made it, it clicked with him and made him a better coach uh, with that as well. He says he's a better coach now at 67 than he ever has been. And uh, we, we talked about Nick Saban at 71, has won four titles since the age of 60. Coach Cook has won two since the age of 60. And really could have won four. Lost five, those five two others away. by five points. And, and he's taken a lot from that. 
Um, I think this will be one of the more fascinating years because you're talking about like a Duke-type team, one of those Krzyzewski coach teams at Duke where you're getting you know, the best high school players in the country to some other team that relies heavily on a transfer portal, and that's Wisconsin. They get good high school players, but they're relying heavily on the transfer portal. Uh, so, and, and it's not that Nebraska doesn't have experienced players. They do. It'll be a good mix of young and old. Um, but Wisconsin's really old. They are. Like, the, the team that's here for the Huskers, John Cook, has got nine girls that are freshmen or sophomores and five of them that are juniors and no seniors. Right. So, yeah, from, from a youth standpoint, they are very young, but, you know, you still have got just a little bit of experience in there. Maggie Middleson battled a little bit of an injury early last season, didn't see a ton of time, but then you've got Lindsey Krause back, Allie Batenhorst is back, she's a junior. Merritt Beeson played a ton of volleyball at Florida. She comes in as a junior and a uh, captain, transfer, and right she's away, a captain. captain. Uh, Hayden Kubik in her sophomore year, she didn't get a ton of time last year, but then uh, Kennedy Orr was a setter half of last season, and then, wow, Lexi Rodriguez, first-team All-American. Uh, I mean, she could be player of the year, even as a libero. Right. Uh, she's so good. Uh, and then Becca Alec back, she was dominant at times last year as a middle. Um, there's there, some there experience might, there. There might be a situation where you know Le- Lexi's son was a two-time All-American, then couldn't break the roster. <laughs> because he, of Allie Batenhorst. Right, because <laughs> that's how much talent you have. You see it happen on those types yeah. of teams. It reminds me of some of those Krzyzewski coach teams. Like, uh, where they're just so loaded well, and that you, even though you were an All-American, you might have trouble breaking into the lineup and and two of the people that i think you're going to be looking at that are those up-and-comers that are going to be taking some time are going to be harper murray and bergen riley yeah i i you know bergen riley coach cook said she's a little like bud crawford she's got that look of an assassin <laughs> and and it's i don't know man it's going to be a fun year it's uh, be looking fun. forward to it it's going to be fun uh we'll finish off with something we've got loads of things oh, left yeah. to talk about on the list I, I just can't decide which one we'll talk about maybe some husker football round things up a little more husker basketball talk it could be anything and it's coming up next mike melby tom stevens husker rewind every sunday night five to seven this is sunday rewind on 93.7 the ticket and the ticketfm.com Welcome back. Final moments. Husker Rewind with Tom and Mike. Tom Stevens, Mike Melby. It's been a disastrous year for the Kansas City Royals, but it has been a good year for second baseman shortstop uh, Bobby Witt. Bobby Witt Jr. Friday night, he became the first major league player to uh, have 20 home runs and 30 stolen bases in his first two years in the major leagues. So, in a very bad year, at least they've got that going for him, which is nice. And they'll, the uh, he'll be the first, but uh, Bryce Matthews, the uh, former Nebraska baseball player, will be the second. That's right. Oh, by the way, Bobby Witt's dad played for your favorite team. And I was going to say, it's been quite a year for my Texas Rangers. They just won uh, their sixth in a row today. So <sighs> must be nice to follow a good baseball team. I, it hasn't been that way for a decade. <laughs> well, it happens that way for the Royals every 30 years. It's like clockwork. They win a World Series. So well, uh, it's like clockwork. Texas never wins a World Series. So, <laughs> I, 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 why am I so giddy about Nebraska getting a point guard? Do you think this turns the corner for them? Do you think this makes them? Well, again, I, I mean, last year they were sixteen and sixteen, but they did have the best second half record in the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I mean, you look up and down the I, lineup. I, I like this team. I, I think that as long as Boogie Coleman fits in. 
chemistry wise. Um, I mean, if he comes in, as long in, as he's just not a disruption, I'm I mean, just saying, do if, your job. If he comes in and he's Alonzo Verge or Cam Mack, then I don't think we make the NIT. I don't think we finish 500. But if he comes in and he's a guy that fits the mold like a Sam Greasel, where he's a leader, he's a six-year guy, he's going to help the team get better, he's going to be a glue guy, a locker room guy, and do anything you need to be guy, yeah, I like this team. I really do. Look how big it is. Rick Mass is 6'10". Josiah Alec is 6'8", and a very good rebounder. Eli Rice, I think, will play 6'7". I guarantee you, he's going to start. Bryce Williams is 6'7". Aaron Udles is no longer on the team. Uh, Kale Jacobson might surprise you I at six four. Play. He can play everywhere. Uh, we we know all about Keisei Tamanaga um, playing for the Japanese uh, this summer. I I really wonder about Blaze Keita. Can he stay? Can he come back from injury? But he's six yeah. eleven. Jamarcus Lawrence is six three. Could really shoot it. Jawan Gary only played a little bit in Spain, but it was six, six for six. He's six six and maybe the most physical player on the entire team. Jamel Romel Lloyd, I should say, is 6'6". Hoiberg is only six feet tall, but was really valuable, as we saw last year. And C.J. Wiltshire is 6'5", uh, and had a very nice Spain trip. N- nice trip to Spain. So, this is a big team. Yeah. There's a lot of guys 6'7 and up. There are, and the, the key thing, though, is is how do you handle the situations? The one thing that, that has been the knock with Hoiberg's team's since he's been here is those those scoring droughts which are highly unusual for a guy that you know scored the ball the way he did to, for his teams because uh, that was never the case before you know at Iowa State I take the, the bulls out of it but um, the scoring droughts have got to be as short as possible and as we were talking you know get old and stay old and this team is really old and that's where I think that that eight oh run by you know Michigan that an eight oh run by Purdue an eight oh run by Michigan State, and I think it ends at eight. It doesn't get to twelve. It doesn't get to fourteen. It doesn't well, get to, long to, enough to too. They can stop those runs because they'll be able to defend. Well, they're that they're really long. Well, but I mean the thing is, you you have a long rebound that goes for a fast break and a bucket, and then you miss two shots and they hit two threes and 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 kind of just normal back and forth. That's an eight oh run. Yeah. I know we're so old. We're the only ones that remember those early Danny Knee teams, those the ninety ninety one team. But some of those early Danny Knee teams, they would shoot poorly, but they would kill teams because they could rebound so yeah. well. Uh, they would get a lot of offensive rebounds. I could see this team getting a lot of offensive rebounds. Uh, so I'm excited about uh, <laughs> Jawan. Jawan Gary is going to have. I, I could see Jawan Gary having a double double, where he has um, eleven offensive boards. And 12 defensive boards. Remember back in the days where Carl Malone would get 15 rebounds a game, and a lot of it was because he would just throw it off the board and go get it to himself and yeah. dunk it? So, And they would get credit for the offensive rebound yeah. for throwing it to himself. Um, I have a nominee for Get Off My Lawn. Get Off My Lawn. Uh, in fact, I don't see how you can beat this guy. George Klevkoff, Pac-10 commissioner who's no longer the Pac-10 commissioner. He ruined the Pac-12, he and Larry Scott, in uh, less than five years, probably. With some help from Michael Crow at Arizona State. About three years. uh, The whole league is gone. Uh, Oregon of Washington joined, of course, the Big Ten this week after UCLA and USC already did it. And then the rest of the league, pretty much, except for Washington, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal, have gone to the Pac-12. 
They've got to join the Mountain West, don't they? Or invite the Mountain West to come be the Pac-12? I guess. Yeah, do, I, do we care? Does anybody care? Well, we do from the sake of you know high school athletes having an opportunity to go get a scholarship and play uh, you know, at major college level. What, what do you think his presentation was like when he's trying to deliver the Apple TV thing? Like he's, he's up in front of the room. He says, hey, I've got this great deal. I, it's going to be streamed on Apple TV. It's going to follow Ted Lasso. And we're going to have uh, the Pac-12 at night. And every team gets well over $3. It's great. And popcorn will be free. Uh, and that's all I've got. Good night. I just, as, as soon as you said, what, it, what did it look like? I, I pictured uh, George Klipskoff coming in to say that uh, Apple Plus or Apple TV Plus and $20 million per school, which ultimately got bumped up to 25 and whatever. But him walking in in a clown costume because it just, I, I don't know. I, I actually have a get off my lawn. You do? That relates but I think it goes back to the linchpin all right. that started all of this. Get off my lawn. University of Texas. What did, what did Texas? Back, oh, because Texas in, started all back this? Back in 2010, Tom Osborne said, I think it was Dennis Dodd was the right. AD. He said, yeah. if we promise to stay, will you? And they went, no. But you know what? Everybody in all these, before all of these conferences dissolve, everybody says, hey, Let's have a unity prayer. We're all together. We're all in this together. And then three weeks later, they all fall apart. But that was the whole thing, though. But if Ozzy says, hey, we'll stay if you'll stay, and Texas, if they simply would have said, we will stay, I don't think that all of this stuff happens um, to what, what happened this last week. And they got, you know, in some ways, the Longhorn Network started all of this. Yeah, it really did. I yeah, mean, it was okay th- for them to have a network, but the Big 12 couldn't right. have a network because then Texas wouldn't be the only one getting the benefits of the money. Would they get like $250 million for a, a network that never even went on the air? I yeah. mean, nobody ever watched it? Yeah. It's crazy. I know. Which is, like I said, I, my, my get off my lawn is to Texas. Plus, they're just they're well, Texas. Well, every week it could and, be and, about Texas. And Matthew McConaughey loves Texas, and I hate him too. So he can get off my lawn he as well. He does have good hair. True. Um, and he's actually gotten more of it. I, I believe in hair conspiracies. Uh, you go back and look at, uh, like, Tom Brady from the 90s. He's got way more hair now. Matthew McConaughey is another one who had way more, has way more hair now than he did in the 90s. He, he was balding. See, I time. do too, but mine isn't, didn't, I wasn't, like, thinning. I just let mine finally grow out. You could donate hair. Oh, yeah, I have. To everybody in the world and <laughs> still have hair left over. You have a lot of hair, man, and it looks good. Thank you. Uh, you and your hair will be here for another hour. Yeah, Rebecca, and then we've got uh, George Sukup from Eagle Raceway, and we're going to talk racing. What a week in racing. What a night last night. Going to be a great show. I'll listen to it on the drive home. We'll see you next week, Mike. See you, Tommy. Bye-bye.